deaf organizations in Frederick County have come together with a common goal. They want to create a Maryland Deaf Community Center, a central location for deaf services, and a community meeting center. The president and vice president of the group join me now. I'm Heather Mangilio, and this is Frederick Uncut. I'm here with Linda Stoltz, who's the president, and Lori Benheo, who is the vice president. So I was hoping you could tell me a little bit about why you want a deaf center in Frederick. So I've uh, been a Frederick resident for a very long time, uh, over 35 years, until just recently I retired. Uh, and during the years, I've seen the community, uh, people in our community become frustrated. Uh, there's a lack of information, uh, lack of facility for us to come together. Uh, and with MSD, you know, one of the largest deaf schools in the nation, in our neighborhood and the parents in the community uh, and grandparents that live here, senior citizens in the, in the area, um, hearing families with deaf children, those numbers we've seen grown. And just myself has just been very frustrated uh, because a lot of people don't know where we can go together, where we can come together. And as a retiree, my, my bucket list, I want to set up a deaf center here in Frederick. And so I've uh, contacted several of those organizations and, and said, why don't we just collaborate and become one? And you know, so we're trying to get on the same page and work together. And so we've had a public meeting just this past Monday. Uh, we had a good number, about 45 people showed up. Uh, a lot of people still had no idea, so the word has, has spread. And I'm hoping that we'll have even more people come at our next meeting. And I'm thinking with the community support, things will really get moving. And I feel like we have the potential to set up a space in the future with the numbers in our community. And we have 52,500 deaf um, and hard of hearing people just in the Frederick area, which is a pretty profound number compared to you know, other areas. Uh, so it's a pretty shocking that we don't have any organizations or a center for us here in Frederick County. And I would like to add to all over the United States, there are large deaf communities and many uh, states already have deaf centers established. And so we're surprised that Frederick doesn't have one. We should, right? But there's nothing, and so it's time. It's time we need to start this initiative and get it going. So in general, is Frederick friendly to the deaf community? Oh, yes, yes. A lot of my friends from other states come here to visit, and they're like, wow, every time I go into a restaurant, there's at least one waitress that knows sign. Pretty impressive. And also, um, with the new bike racks that were just set up against Carroll Creek that spells Frederick, people have just been amazed to see that. Uh, it's just definitely a very warm and friendly environment. And I want to add, too, we have to be careful because, you know, if we sign, we know there are so many people out there that know sign. <laughs> also, the hospital here is just, wow, impressive compared to other states. They're still struggling to get interpreter services in other hospitals. but. Our local hospital has three staff interpreters around the clock. Um, they also offer VRI services. And for me and my needs, they're met. They're fulfilled here in Frederick, um, except for having that deaf space, a deaf center. Uh, there's a woman who approached me, I want to say, uh, when we had um, proposed the meeting back in January, she uh, came to me and said, I'm just so thrilled that you're planning to set this up because my my elderly aunt, who's 80 years old, has no idea where to go for resources, and that just really touched our hearts. 
And then we've known uh, families that move here and they don't know where to go, especially if they're enrolled at Maryland School for the Deaf. And Maryland School for the Deaf isn't necessarily a service for us, you know, so a lot of us have no idea where to go. And so having a deaf center would be a place where people could get resources, could get information um, for those that live here in Frederick and neighboring counties. And when you say resources or services, what kind of resources or services would you hope to see? Uh, For example, elderly people who are losing their hearing. We can refer them to an audiologist, um, counseling services, uh, job search, um, job coaches, um, caregivers. There's really a long list of resources that we could provide. Uh, Equipment, you know, for uh, full accessibility, whether it be in their homes or in their workplace. Um, Also sign language classes, offering those to the community, interpreting services, workshops, um, you know, different social events as well could be held at the center. Perfect. And so you mentioned also the community space. Why is it so important to have a place where you guys can all come together? Well, language is, is very important for us. You know, it's hard for us to communicate with hearing people. And for example, um, senior, senior citizens that go to senior centers, they, they go, you know, once a month um, to different events, but there's just that language barrier there. And so it would be nice to have a place where we can fully communicate and have access and have our mode of communication be 100% ASL and just have, you know, commonality and common ground. And if you had a community center, would you also hold events and have events that are just for those in ASL? Oh, no, it could be open to different, um, you know, members of the community, Um, even senior citizens coming in to play cards or like a fitness center exercises, workshops for hearing parents of deaf children, uh, you know, provide them the the services that that are offered to them. Many different um, situations and workshops like um, women's abuse, maybe workshops. And so you had this meeting on Monday? Mm Mm-hmm, correct, yeah. And that was the first time that we had made this public, our initiative public. So a lot of people were really thrilled with the idea. And, um, you know, we want to make it happen. And how did you think the reception was? Oh, I got a lot of positive remarks uh, and a lot of emails the next day. Um, after it was you know, published in the newspaper, um, I had a lawyer even in Frederick City contact me that was just thrilled that deaf people would have this access. Um, and he had said, you know, let me know how I can help you and how I can support you. And so there was a lot of people that, uh, you know, I'm even getting almost people jealous <laughs> that this could possibly happen for us here in Frederick uh, and, and the state of Maryland and as a whole. Um, so we're very excited about what's to come. So now what we need is the facility itself and, and money, the funding. So I'm hoping that through donations um, or private investors, Um, We plan also to write a grant, Um, so we're hoping that we'll be able to get a grant for the services itself, and then a private investor to support, uh, you know, the building, the operational costs, things like that. And also this will provide more jobs, you know, for our community, and so I think that's a pretty positive impact. And so you're starting by declaring yourselves a nonprofit? Correct, yes. All right, and so after that you're now looking for building space, if, if I understand correctly? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first step, obviously, is receiving the funds, um, and that would then help me decide where to start looking. Um, this Wednesday, um, we plan on meeting with Jan Gardner's assistant. Uh, her name is Kelly and Vivian. Um, she has two assistants. 
any, um, and they're gonna, I guess we need a proposed budget and that's due March 15th. So we're getting those, those you know, steps in place and hopefully we'll have, uh, you know, we're gonna open a bank account soon. Um, so any donations that are received will go into that. Um, also, hopefully if we have any private investors, invest, yeah, investors uh, willing, so exciting. So I know that you've gotten support from the deaf community, but what about um, the hearing community? Have they seemed to be on board with this? Not yet, <laughs> but um, we do need to reach out, and hopefully this podcast will reach the, com- the hearing community. I'm sure that there are a lot of people that um, maybe have money but don't know who to donate to them to, and so I'm hoping that they would consider us. And you mentioned your meeting with um, Jan Gardner's office. Has the county executive been on board so far? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, we've been in contact. She seems to be um, really supportive. I think we were expecting uh, that maybe the state of Maryland or county could help, um, but it doesn't seem like that is 100% an option for us at this point. And Jan Gardner has already shared with us her budget and her projections. And unfortunately, there's just not a lot of money left in the budget to, you know, fund those services. Um, so we can't rely on them 100%. But we're hoping with other support um, that we would be able to start. And when we met with Jan, um, she seemed really surprised um, about the number of deaf and hard of hearing people that live in Frederick County alone. And she had asked where we had gotten that number. And I had said we had received it from the governor's office. And you mentioned there's 22 organizations that are all coming together? Yes, correct. So how did you work together and come together and manage to communicate with all 22? So we contacted a representative from each organization, and we've been getting together for the past year. And so after meeting with all of those representatives, then they share it with the the people within their organizations. And then... um, you know, so we said, let's just go ahead and open it up to the public, which we did last Monday. Uh, and everyone just really feels like we need this central facility. I mean, we often have to pay rent. Um, we have to, you know, go through negotiations. And as a nonprofit, for us to host events, it's pretty tough. Um, so the struggle is the facilities. That's our main concern. And I know that there are some deaf people who also need help. They need these services. So. Uh, We've been trying to help to refer them to the right people. Perfect. And so I know that you're looking for the building space, but how soon would you like to see the center come available? As soon as possible. Uh, We've been talking about this, uh, and we've seen a lot of vacant buildings in the Frederick area. It would be nice if there's any way that we could be gifted maybe a a space that's ready. uh, And, you know, we would be able to take care of operational costs, you know, decor, all of that furniture, but we definitely need the building space um, and with a nice, safe parking lot nearby. That's what we're looking for. And have there been any buildings that you particularly are interested in? No, no, not yet. I mean, I've seen several. You know, I'm looking through the, the window and saying, oh, this would be so nice. This is a huge dream of ours. But So there's some out there. But again, it comes back to funding. And I know that deaf people really just want a a social area, a social place um, where we could host events, parties, um, like Mardi Gras. We've had a Mardi Gras party that we're gonna be hosting at Cafe 611. And unfortunately we have to pay to rent that space. Um, And so we have received some donations, which is nice, but the rental costs, you know, 
we are a burden and we do feel kind of lonely. There's no central space for us to socialize. Um, whether it's deaf people, peering, people who have lost their hearing, parents of deaf people, we just really want um, an alliance in our community. And so you clearly thought about this a lot. So can you paint a vision of what this would look like? The vision? Uh, uh, having a space <laughs> uh, with different offices within the building. Um, and then a private entrance for people who maybe don't want to reveal their identity, um, where they can maybe go in the back for different services, and then have another room for, you know, social events, hosting, um, you know, with a kitchen, a bathroom, um, you know, to host, host everyone there. Pretty simple. Also, we need a, a like, a bigger room um, for maybe for senior citizens to come in and maybe do some exercising. Um, they've expressed that they've felt frustrated that you know there aren't activities for them and, and with the lack of communication, uh, I think it would be definitely a special place for them to have their own place with access. You know, a place where they could come and play cards, uh, bring their kids, and then you know at, at night open it up to young deaf adults, and then again hosting workshops. Um, it'd be nice to even have a stage if we could there's something like that. All right, perfect. And what's the next steps? Well, we do have to open a bank account. Um, I know that there are some people that are ready to give donations to us, so that's our next step. Um, and we'll make that announcement as soon as that's secured. Um, we also have to get, we already got our tax ID number, so that's um, set. Um, so definitely setting up that bank account, talking with Jan Gardner's assistance, and after that, hopefully things will get rolling. And are you planning to have another meeting and hope with more people attending? Yes, yeah, so it's gonna, we'll host a meeting the first Monday of every month at the library. Uh, I think it's easier for people to remember the first Monday. Um, so a lot, our last meeting, a lot of people didn't really know about it, um, but with Facebook and Instagram and emails, a lot more people are aware of what's, what's, our, what's happening. Also, we have a website, MDCC, which is the Maryland Deaf Community Center. And we're excited to, yeah, I think people have been excited to communicate through you know, the website. Um, because we, if they are not able to physically come to the meeting, there's still a lot, of, um, a lot of ways to communicate with us through the website. And who should show up to the meeting the next time you have one? Anyone, everyone. Everyone is welcome. This morning I went to uh, FSK Mall just to walk around and I ran into a woman there who is an interpreter and she said, oh my gosh, I heard about your meeting on Monday. I want to come next month. And I said, sure, come on. And remember, it's the first Monday of every month. Bring your friends. You know, she was really excited. Um, and I know that we'll have more people, maybe 100 next month. So come and see for yourself. All right, perfect. And you mentioned donations. Where can people donate? Well, that, like she said, um, we will be opening up a bank account here shortly, and then we'll start advertising on our website where you could donate. All right, perfect. And just, you know, for those who are in the community, um, what do you think that they need to know about why you're looking to make this center and why it should be helped by the community? Well, I think we're off to a good start. And I would really like other communities like Baltimore, PG County, Rockville, other communities that have large deaf numbers to see what we're doing here and check MDCC-Frederick and hopefully model that 
into their cities. So maybe ha one day having an MDCC Baltimore. So I, I think that it, we're making a good start here in Frederick. And I'm sorry, what was your other question? Said? It's just anything else that people in the community need to know about this. So the Maryland Association for the Deaf has been in support of us as well, and they've been coming to our meetings every month. Uh, the president and former president, uh, Richard Jeffries, um, has been in, in great support. Um, and it's nice to have his support because I can't remember what that guy's name was at the um, governor's office. Oh, Kelby Brick, who works with the Office for the Deaf of Hard of Hearing um, in Annapolis. And um, so we've gotten his support lately, too. And so we're talking to those people, those congressmen, senators, to hopefully get them on board. All right, perfect. Anything else? Is anything else that you maybe have uh, questions about? Any curiosities from your standpoint that you would want to ask us? What is something that the community can do to better support the deaf community? Really, um, I'd like to meet some delegates in the Frederick area. Um, I'm not really a... a political person, but I would love to meet with them and um, share our ideas with them. Um, and hopefully they can support us as well as senators and so forth. Um, we need to know obviously what buildings are vacant uh, and that would help us you know, in our process. Um, also what other agencies or companies are out there that could support us or that are willing to donate. Um, you know, we're not sure uh, what organizations would, would donate to our community. So if there's some resources regarding that, that would be great. Those are our really two biggest things right now. Well, thank you both so much for coming in. Sure. Thank you for having us. So you can read more about the deaf community um, and their search for building space by reading Erica Riley's story at fredericknewspost.com. And now I have Katrina Pereira in the studio to um, talk a little bit about some events over the weekend at, with the school system. So Katrina, um, what made it so that you had to work on your weekend? So essentially what happened was um, there was a basketball game at Governor Thomas Johnson High School over the weekend, Friday night. And as parents and community members were pulling into the parking lot, some noticed that in, the, in a window of a classroom, was a Nazi flag. Um, and as you can imagine, that prompted a lot of questions and concerns. Okay, so let's just get straight to it. Why was there a Nazi flag hanging in a school classroom? Right. So from what I learned through my reporting is that that classroom is a history classroom. And in that specific classroom is taught a very focused uh, World War II class. So that teacher uses different props like the flag from that era to aid in classroom instruction. All right. So what happened that the flag was left up hanging or, or even in just with the hanging with the windows open? So that's the question that um, has yet to be answered. We kind of still don't know the why or the how. Um, and from what I was told from different members of the school system and the board, um, that is something that they are definitely looking into. All right. Any other questions that you're still looking to get answered? Um, not at this moment. Um, there is, you know, some concern about why a flag is even needed um, to aid with this kind of instruction. You know, there are pictures from that era. There are different kind of tools that you can use instead of actually holding up the flag. Um, so that's something that I know the school system is also looking into, um, sort of having dis having a discussion around, you know, what kind of items are appropriate to use and, and not um, so that's something that I will definitely be following up with. 
Well, I can kind of understand that there is maybe a visceral reaction to seeing an actual flag versus reading about it or seeing a picture of it. Absolutely. I mean, I think that was kind of a lot of people were in shock initially when they saw it. Um, And, you know, the school system has put out a statement saying, you know, they didn't Nobody was meant to be offended by this. They are sincerely apologetic for any sort of hurt um, it caused and, you know, that this does not at all represent the values values of FCPS. Um, so, you know, I think it was just kind of a, a, a big shock to everyone. Um, and, you know, over the weekend when there wasn't really anything else, um, there wasn't, you know, school wasn't in session and questions couldn't be answered. So it was um, it was a bit frantic. All right. And just with the school system's responses, everyone seemed to be okay with what the school system said? Um, so far, I I mean, I would say for the most part, people are, you know, most people feel like maybe the flag shouldn't have been hanging in the window. Um, but then I think there are two sides that they then split to. You know, some people say, well, as long as the flag isn't being used for, you know, sort of malicious intent, then using it in a classroom is fine. Others are like, you know, I don't know, even using it as for an educational purpose, maybe it's not the best thing. All right. Well, as you said, you'll be following up on this. So if there's any other questions, um, I'm sure people can either reach out to you, but you'll also be continuing to try to get some of the questions that have already been asked. Absolutely. All right. Well, I will let you take off your education reporter hat for now um, and go back to what you usually come in here for. Um, which is the food review. Yes. You did something a little bit different this week, I understand. I did. I went to a Valentine's-themed pop-up cocktail bar in Buckystown. All right. What is a Valentine's Day pop-up bar? So a pop-up bar, um, it could be a bar, it could be a shop, it could be a restaurant, but essentially the word pop-up means that it's only open for a limited amount of time. And so this place in Buckystown, which is operated by Tinsel, um, is only open for the month of February. All right. So what can I get at a Valentine's Day pop-up bar? So it's essentially set up like a cocktail party or like a lounge. Um, and primarily you go there for cocktails and drinks. Um, they do have a very, very limited menu. It's like seven items um, of what they call nibbles, which are like finger foods or appetizers that you can order Um, but it's mostly kind of drinks. All right. And does everything scream Valentine's Day? Yes. The space, although beautiful, literally looks like Cupid threw up on it. (laughs) All right. Perfect. But it's, it's still, when you say cocktail bar, I kind of imagine like, I don't know, a New York swanky, like, right. Somewhat dimly lit, like Mm -hmm, place. Is mm -hmm. that what you have here? Even if it is Valentine's Day themed? Um, Yes and no. It's not set up like a traditional bar. So there's no like counter. Um, What you have is you're in this kind of old Victorian house and the space is set up in the three main rooms on the first floor. And those rooms are filled with um, couches, um, tables, chairs, kind of like those more high top tables. And you're, you know, free to roam around, um, but you essentially kind of just pick a space and you relax there and servers will come around and um, wait on you. All right, perfect. So this is a bar. So let's start with the drinks first. What are some of the drinks that one might get? So there's a selection of beer and wine. um, And I should note that all the drinks and food are done by Vault, um, a restaurant in downtown Frederick. Um, So there's beer and wine, but 
the main attraction is the cocktails. Um, there's like a chocolate martini on the menu. Um, all the drinks kind of have, again, this Valentine's theme. Um, there's a drink called the Pink 75, which is served in this like beautiful champagne flute with raspberries. And it's made of, you know, sparkling rosé, strawberry juice, um, that sort of thing. Um, there's another drink called the Crimson Mule, which is very similar to a um, Moscow Mule. Um, but again, with like a little bit of a twist on it to make it more romantic. Um, so a lot of options. All right, perfect. And which drinks did you like? So I tried the Crimson Mule because I'm a big ginger beer fan um, and it tasted really good. Um, a little more citrusy than your, you know, traditional Moscow Mule, but um, it was really good. And you actually tried the Pink 75. And I don't know, Heather, how was it? Uh, it was very beautiful, um, and it was pretty, a li- like, a nice light drink. Um, if you like sparkling rosé, which tends to be a little bit sweeter, I find, than typical rosé. Um, so if you like rosé and you like raspberries and you're not looking for maybe the biggest of drinks because it is, you know, as you mentioned, in a champagne flute, it's a pretty good drink to get. Yeah. Um, there was also, you also tried the putting on the Sprints, which is kind of like a Aperol spritz um and it was I had a sip of yours and it was quite good um the only one that I didn't like was the love in the club punch um beautiful like this beautiful soft lavender colored cocktail but it had this weird raspberry aftertaste that for me I just I couldn't get past yeah I tried that as well and it did have like that weird aftertaste but it was such a beautiful looking so pretty (laughs) All right. And how about some of the food? Yeah. So um, there are some, you know, good options on the menu. Um, There's saffron arancini, which are Italian rice balls. um, But instead of, you know, like maybe like the traditional kind of marinara sausage rice in the ball, it's saffron rice. So really aromatic, really, really lovely. Um, There's a buttermilk blue crab biscuit, um, which wasn't my favorite, but, you know, if you're really craving some crab, go for it. There's a shrimp cocktail. Um, There is, there's like a bowl of olives that you can get. Um, There's a croque monsieur, which is like essentially a ham and cheese sandwich. Um, So a little bit of everything. And you you mentioned that they're called nibbles and true to their name they're kind of small yes they are small in quantity and they really are finger foods um so if you're looking for a full meal this might not be the place maybe a place to go after a full meal or on your way to a or meal. before yeah come get some drinks appetizers and then go to like a nice dinner i think that could totally work all right and what about the price so cocktails all the cocktails are 12 dollars, um and the nibbles range anywhere from like six to nine dollars um, so, you know, a little pricey for kind of the amount you get, but, um, you know, it is a pop-up, so. All right. Well, as you mentioned, pop-up means limited. So the entire month of February, when's the last time I can go try this? The last day of February, February 29th. Um, so, you know, if, if you're worried about it being crowded on Valentine's Day, you still have plenty of time to go celebrate. All right. Anything else you think we should know? No, I think that's it. All right, Katrina, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. Frederick Uncut is produced by me, Heather Mangilio, and edited by Graham Cullen. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.